Well, it is good to be back in the pulpit after being away for the past two weeks. Um, I just want to thank you all again for your prayers for Rochelle and for our family um, after the sudden passing of her brother, Ryan. Um, I'm so grateful that uh, Brandon was willing to step in and preach for me uh, the past two Sundays, and didn't he do a great job? Yeah, those were amazing sermons that he preached. Uh, We are so blessed to have you here on staff with us, Brandon. Uh, Well, three weeks ago, I started this sermon series called God's Heart for All Nations, uh, which is looking at this theme of God's heart for all nations from the very beginning of the Bible to the very end, how this theme threads its way through Scripture. And last week, uh, Brandon preached on Genesis 12, where God calls one individual, Abraham, to get up and go, as Brandon put it, uh, to leave his country and his family and to go to a new land that God would show him. And God promises that, that as he goes, that he will bless Abraham and that he will make his descendants into a great nation in that land. But the purpose, though, God says, makes it very clear at the beginning that the purpose of this one nation was then to bring blessing to all nations, that all peoples on earth would be blessed through Abraham and his descendants. And what a picture we get there of God's heart for all nations. Well, today we're going to fast forward a few hundred years after Abraham. And by this time, God's promise to make Abraham's descendants into a great nation had actually happened. Uh, They had grown into a large nation of people, the Israelites, in the land of Egypt. But they were enslaved by the Egyptians. And so God raises up Moses to lead the Israelites out of Egypt and to begin a journey to that land that God had promised to Abraham hundreds of years earlier. But the Israelites, as they get up to this land, we see that they're afraid to enter into the land. And so God makes them wander in the wilderness for 40 years until that original generation had died out. And so in our text today, we are going to hear Moses speaking to a new generation of Israelites who had grown up in the wilderness and who were on the verge of entering the land that God had promised to Abraham. And in this passage, we're going to see that Moses gives the people some instructions for how they are to live once they are in the land. And part of those instructions involves how they are to treat people of other nations who they might find in their midst. So today we're going to be looking at the law. The law. How do we see God's heart for all nations expressed in the law that God gave to the Israelites? And how might that law speak into our attitudes about people from other nations that we might encounter today? So our text today is from the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 12 through 22. So hear God's word to us today. Moses speaks to Israel and says, And now, O Israel, What does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, 
and to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I am giving you today for your own good. To the Lord, your God, belong the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth, and everything in it. Yet the Lord set his affection on your forefathers and loved them. And he chose you, their descendants, above all the nations as it is today. Circumcise your hearts, therefore, and do not be stiff-necked any longer. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the alien, giving him food and clothing. And you are to love those who are aliens, for you yourselves were aliens in Egypt. Fear the Lord your God and serve him. Hold fast to him and take your oaths in his name. He is your praise. He is your God who performed for you those great and awesome wonders you saw with your own eyes. Your forefathers who went down into Egypt were 70 in all, and now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars in the sky. This morning, I want to look at three main ideas that we get from this passage about how God's law expresses God's heart for all nations. And the first main idea that we see is that God chose Israel, but loves all nations. God chose Israel, but he loves all nations. In verse 14 of our text, Moses reminds the people of Israel just how big and glorious God is. He says in verse 14, to the Lord your God belong the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth, everything in it. The God who Moses is talking about here is not like the local territorial gods that the surrounding peoples worshipped, like the sun god or a god who supposedly controls the rain or a fertility god. No, the God who Moses is talking about is the one true God, the God who made the heavens and the earth. And as he says, the heavens and the earth and everything in them belong to him. But then Moses goes on to say in verse 15, yet the Lord set his affection on your forefathers and loved them, and he chose you, their descendants, above all the nations as it is today. Well, Moses here is saying that, that the God of the universe, the one who created and owns all things, this God chose a particular person, Abraham, and then his son, Isaac, and then Isaac's son, Jacob, who was renamed Israel, and then the descendants of Jacob, the Israelites, that God chose them above all the nations, as Moses says here. He says that God set his affection on your descendants, on Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and he loved them, and he chose their descendants in a unique way to be his people. Now, to our modern ears, this sounds kind of unfair, doesn't it? I mean, if there is one God who created everything 
how could that one God choose one person over another? Or one family over another? One nation over another? And, and when we look back in Genesis 1, where we saw that, that God wanted humanity to spread out and, and fill the earth and develop into different cultures and different nations, why would he do that if he was only really interested in one culture and one nation, Israel? Well, the answer is that God is not only interested in one nation or one culture. No, as we saw in Genesis 12 last week, God chose Abraham not so that only Abraham's family would be blessed, but so that all nations, that all peoples on earth would be blessed through him. Yes, God chose Abraham and, and he chose the nation of Israel, but he chose them for a particular purpose, to bring blessing to all nations. And we see that reflected in today's passage. In verse 17, we read, For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. This God is, is not a petty provincial God who just favors one group of people over another. No, he shows no partiality. He is fair and just. And the way that he shows this is expressed in the next verse, verse 18, which reads, he defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the alien, giving him food and clothing. I want to focus on that particular phrase in this verse that God loves the alien. Now, just to be clear, Moses is not talking about aliens from outer space here. Um, he's not talking about little green Martians or E.T. No, no, the, the Hebrew word that is translated alien here in, in uh, the, the older NIV translation I read from is referring to someone who is a, a foreigner, a non-Israelite who was living in their land. And there are different English translations of this Hebrew word that uh, vary from, from the stranger to the sojourner, the temporary resident, the immigrant, the outsider, the foreigner residing among you. So in other words, what God is talking about here is, is people from other nations outside of Israel who would be living among them once they were in the promised land. And Moses says that God loves these people from other nations. And, and he uses the, the exact same verb that he used in verse 15 when he was talking about how God loves and loved their descendants, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, their, their, their forefathers. He says that, that he loved those guys and he also loves the resident alien or foreigner. And who are these foreigners who would be living among the Israelites once they were in the promised land? Well, when we look ahead into the accounts in the Bible of when Israel was actually living in the land, we see that, that, they, that this would have included people from the surrounding nations who worshipped idols, who didn't worship the God of Israel, it includes people from nations who went to war against Israel. It includes people who didn't follow 
Israel's laws. We didn't follow all their ceremonial laws. And, and so if we think about this kind of in terms of, of thinking about our own nation today, it would be like God saying that, that he loves German and Japanese immigrants after World War II. People who were a part of, of these nations that were at war against our nation, but they're, they're living here, that he loves those individuals, that, that he loves Russian immigrants during the Cold War, that he loves Muslim immigrants from the Middle East after the terrorist attacks on 9-11, that he loves Mexican and Latin American immigrants who have crossed our southern border without proper documentation. God says to the Israelites, I love you and I chose you for a unique purpose, but guess what? I also love those immigrants who are living among you. Yes, even the ones who are from nations that went to war against you. Yes, even the ones who don't believe in me and who worship other gods. And yes, even the ones who don't live by the laws that I've given to you. I love them all. So although God chose Israel in a unique way, he loves all nations. And the reason that he chose Israel, again, is so that he could bring that love through them to the other nations, so that all nations would be blessed through them. And this leads to the next thing that we see in this passage, which is that Israel is to love people from other nations because God does. The beginning of verse 19 says, and you are to love those who are aliens. Again, we're, we're talking here about people who were from other nations who were living among the Israelites, and God tells the Israelites, you are to love them. God loves them, and so God's people should love them too. In fact, God's love for them was meant to be expressed through Israel's love for them. But here's the problem. This goes against human nature. I mean, if you look through the history of our world, foreigners and immigrants are almost always treated poorly in just about every society. And we often talk about our own nation as a nation of immigrants. And, and we have people from many different nations who have come to the United States to make this country their home. But we have to acknowledge that when we look at the history of immigration in our country, immigrants have rarely been welcomed with open arms by those who were living here at the time. In 1775, before the United States had even gained its independence, Benjamin Franklin worried about the increase of German immigration. And he said, why should Pennsylvania, founded by the English, become a colony of aliens who will shortly be so numerous as to Germanize us instead of our anglifying them and will never adopt our language or customs any more than they can acquire our complexion? And ever since then, there have been waves of anti-immigrant sentiment and sometimes even legislation to accompany it. Here are just a few examples. 
help wanted signs with the phrase, no Irish need apply in the 1800s. The Chinese Exclusion Act of 1882 that was passed to halt Chinese immigration and preclude those who are already here from gaining American citizenship. Anti-Catholic sentiment when a large number of Italian immigrants were moving here in the early 1900s. Anti-Semitism against Jewish immigrants. And over 100,000 Japanese Americans who were sent to internment camps after World War II. Many who were US citizens and who even had sons who had fought against Japan in the war. Anti-Muslim sentiment after September 11th, 2001, and more recently, immigrants from Mexico and Latin America being talked about as an invasion of our country, portrayed as criminals, drug dealers, and rapists. I know for some of you who are listening this morning, you have even been on the receiving end of some of these attitudes, and you've experienced deep hurt as a result. I know for others of you who, who may be listening that, that maybe you have felt or even expressed some of these attitudes. You know, maybe you've had some negative experiences with a, a particular individual or, or, or a, several individuals from a particular group of people. And, you know, to be honest, that shouldn't be too surprising because sin is present in every human being and is present in every human culture. You know, in, in fact, in, in other places, God even warns the Israelites about the possible negative influence of some of the people in the surrounding nations, that their idol worship could draw the Israelites away from worshiping the true God. But yet, here in God's law, given through Moses, God still commands his people, love those who are aliens. Now, for Israel, that might have meant to love even the people who were trying to get them to worship their gods. In our context, it might mean loving the people who you see as a threat to your job, or to love the people who you are worrying are bringing negative influence into our country. Love the people who are different from you and who you may not fully understand. Why? Because God loves them. God doesn't just say, don't mistreat the immigrants among you. He doesn't just say, tolerate them. No, he says, love them. Go out of your way to get to know them and express active, self-sacrificial love and compassion for those who are culturally different from you. Now, I want to be clear, I'm, I'm not talking about immigration policy here. You know, Christians can debate the merits of different immigration policy proposals, but we should never debate whether or not we are called to love the immigrants in our midst because we just are, period. The third and final thing that we see in this passage is that Israel is to love cultural outsiders because they were the same 
thing. Israel is to love cultural outsiders because they were the same thing. The rest of verse 19 continues, and you are to love those who are aliens, for you yourselves were aliens in Egypt. Moses reminds the Israelites that that they were also foreigners. They were foreigners in Egypt. And so they know what it feels like to be cultural outsiders. They were mistreated by the Egyptians. They were enslaved and oppressed. But instead of turning the tables and then mistreating and oppressing the foreigners in their land once they are in power, God says, no, no, no. You are to use that experience that you had of being outsiders in Egypt as a reason to show understanding and compassion to those who are going to be outsiders in your land. One of the things that I love about our church is how a bunch of Norwegian immigrants decided to begin a ministry to Chinese immigrants when this neighborhood began to change demographically. You know, our church was founded by Norwegian immigrants in 1912, and it was a place of welcome for new Norwegian immigrants as they continued to come to Brooklyn over the following decades. But by 1980, there weren't many new Norwegian immigrants moving into this neighborhood anymore. Instead, there were more and more Chinese immigrants moving into this neighborhood. But the church leadership at the time didn't see these Chinese immigrants as a threat or as a group to just avoid. No, they saw themselves in this new group of immigrants. And they began to wonder, could 59th Street Church be a place where this culturally different group of immigrants might also find a welcome and experience the love of Christ, just like we did. And so they hired Ivy Goon as a parish worker to begin reaching out to this new group of immigrants. See, they loved the cultural outsiders in their neighborhood because they had been cultural outsiders too when they first came to the U.S., In our scripture reading from 1 Peter 2, Peter addresses the believers that he's writing to as aliens and strangers in the world. Or the the more recent NIV says as foreigners and exiles. So we who are believers in Christ are aliens and strangers in this world because this world is not our home. I know for, for many Christians, maybe some who particularly are feeling this recently, that that it can feel like like we are becoming more and more cultural outsiders in our society. But we shouldn't be surprised at that because we are citizens of a heavenly kingdom. So we should always feel a little bit out of place in any nation or any culture in this world, whether that was the Roman Empire for the Christians that Peter was writing to, or whether that is the United States in 2021. And here's the thing, because part of our identity as Christians is to be cultural outsiders in this world, when we encounter those 
who also feel like cultural outsiders, maybe for other reasons, whether that's Chinese immigrants here in Sunset Park or Arab immigrants in Bay Ridge or African-Americans in a predominantly white neighborhood, Christians, no matter what our cultural background is, we should be the first ones to love these cultural outsiders because that is also a part of our identity. And maybe, maybe our experience of feeling more and more like cultural outsiders in our society because of our faith, maybe that's actually a gift to us because it might help us to better understand and love those around us who also feel like cultural outsiders in our society for different reasons. Peter also addresses believers in that passage by saying, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And here Peter is using the the same language that God used to describe Israel in the Old Testament, but Peter is applying it to the church. And just like with Israel, God has not chosen us simply to bring blessing to us, but so that God's blessing would flow through us to others who are different from us. As Peter says in verse 12, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. What if people who don't believe in Jesus in our community saw us sacrificially loving immigrants and cultural outsiders and people who are different from us? What if they saw that that we actually cared more about loving these individuals than we did about trying to preserve or protect our cultural power and influence in society? What kind of witness would that be to them? Might they see those good deeds and be led to glorify God themselves, as Peter says? I know one thing, that is the kind of witness that would certainly point them to what Jesus, our Savior, did when he laid down his power and influence and privilege in order to suffer and die for sinners and outsiders and aliens like you and me. I am so grateful that God loves people from every nation because that means that he loves you and me. And I'm so grateful that he chose Abraham and Israel so that Jesus was eventually born to fulfill that promise of blessing to all nations. If you believe in Jesus... You are blessed. You are part of that chosen people and holy nation. And now you and I get to be a part of bringing that blessing to others. Others who are different 
from us. So who are the people that God has placed in your life who are culturally different from you? And that answer could be very different for, for each of us because we in our own congregation are different culturally. But what would that look like for you? Who is God placing in your life? Who are the ones that, that God is wanting you to love so that they would also know that he loves them too? As you ponder that question, let me close in prayer. God, we thank you that you do love people from every nation, that you are a God who loves the alien, loves the foreigner, loves the stranger, because, Lord, we, we all fall under that category. And we thank you that you are a God who has come near to us to love us, to welcome us to yourself, that you didn't just love Israel, but that you, 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 you chose Israel so that that blessing would come even to us. Gentiles, us who are from all different nations and backgrounds. Lord, give us that same heart that you have, that we would see those around us who are culturally different, even see those who may be uh, recent immigrants into our nation, and we would see them, Lord, through your eyes, with, with eyes of love and compassion, that we would see ourselves in them, Lord, let, us, let our church be a place that is welcoming to people from all different nationalities and cultures, Lord, that we would be a multicultural community that continues to reach out into our community to welcome others too into this community. Change us, Lord. Convict us. Forgive us, Lord, of moments where we have chosen to lift ourselves up or where we have refuse to love those who you've placed in our path. Forgive us, Lord, and we thank you that you have forgiven us. You've done everything to pay for our sin on the cross. As we receive that grace and that mercy, Lord, let it empower us to go out and share that good news with others, that they would come to know your love in their lives as well. In Jesus' name, amen.